five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Good morning. It's me, Michael Hujuru, here on Colourful Radio. Welcome you to episode zero four two nine of our weekly news review show, Five in the Eye. I hope you're looking forward to looking back over five news stories that have caught our eye over the past week. And this is Phil Woodford joining Michael via Zoom and revealing that our top story this week is about the power of big tech companies. While Google is being taken to court in the US over its monopoly on online search, the eccentric billionaire Elon Musk says that he's going to start charging people to use X, formerly known as Twitter. Live in the eye. With story number two, it's the on-off saga of the HS2 rail link. There are fears it may never reach further than Birmingham, so much that for levelling up for the north of England. But critics point to spiralling cost and ask, is it really worth it? What's story number three? Well, are you tempted to trade in your current mobile handset for a new iPhone 15? Some say the new features don't add a lot, while others feel we should be hanging on to our old phones and reducing consumption. Story number four, it's the Danish artist who handed a lot of money by a museum to create new works, but repaid them with empty frames. And finally this week, to cap off the show, we travel to Spain where people apparently bet on where a donkey is going to poo for a chance to win a thousand euros. We'll probably make asses of ourselves by even discussing this one, Phil. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. We're going to kick off the show this week, something which has been close to my heart for a long time. Big tech and the law. What do I mean by big tech and the law? Well, the law needs to look at them, what they do, the way they do it, and the fact that these services, can, many of them can, seem, can appear to be free, when in, real, when in fact we're paying with our, with our giving up our bits of ourself. You know, there's an old adage that says, if it's free, then you're the product. And that's such is the case with Google. Google, it's, don't get me wrong, I think Google is a brilliant company. The services are just great. You know, the, the, the Gmail service, the, um, the G Drive service, Google Maps, these are great services. And I use them daily, if not hourly. Um, but in doing them, I know I'm giving up a bit of myself. Google's reading my mail. It's knowing where I'm going. It's looking, it can read my um, diary. So it knows what I'm doing. It knows a lot about me. And it sells that to advertising agencies. So they profile me with adverts. And I get these adverts for, um, what was it, for insurance for the over 60s, life insurance, you know, holiday rates, you know, this guest kind of stuff. And to be honest with you, on the one hand, the ads are targeted and I don't mind them. But what I do, I, I'd like the choice. I'd like the choice. And I was shocked, Phil, this week to find out that for every for every user on Google, they make $65 in profit. $65. And it occurred to me, I'd be happy to pay $65, $50, $65 a year for those services without them literally looking in my underpants. You know, I, 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 I'm happy to do that, but no, Google are holding on to us and they're, they're saying they're giving them freedom. And the, the thing for me, why I say Google and the law, right now, the American government is taking them to law, is trying to break them up, Phil. 
It's trying to say enough. You can't have one search engine on 99% of the smartphones. You know, they pay Apple billions of dollars for them to use their search engine. The same for the map, Google Maps. They, they use Google Maps in preference to, to, to Apple Maps. To, to Apple, Apple Maps. So Google literally buy the buy the monopoly so that others can't get a, can't get a look in. I don't know, Phil. Do you feel uncomfortable using Google? Do you think they should be broken up? Well, I mean, you know, a hugely powerful company, and I do, uh, I, I do share your concerns and other people's concerns about the nature of their monopoly. Very, very hard for people to break into this marketplace now. Um, in the way that Google itself did at the end of the last century, um, when there were a kind of handful of search engines around, Google came along with this new um, streamlined product that was just more efficient, better than than all the others. Um, and no one quite knew the extent to which they would dominate so much in, in the future. I mean, uh, you've talked about the advertising revenue and you know one interesting thing if you look at a market like the uk about 80 percent of the online advertising market is tied up with either google or meta or the products that these companies own uh like youtube or uh instagram and uh and, and, and facebook and so on um this is profoundly unhealthy one of the reasons it's unhealthy is that um other media struggles to make the advertising revenue that they once did so if you look at big newspaper groups for instance in the past they would make a lot of money out of print advertising in the old days of print newspapers in the online environment they cannot make the same money because all the advertisers go to google and go to meta because of the monopoly they have and so it has a knock-on effect on other media which which does trouble me but we saw also that this you know you were talking about charging for the service rather than them knowing everything about you michael you'd be prepared to pay something it's interesting because we've seen elon musk haven't we the mercurial uh billionaire behind uh x or uh, formerly known as twitter saying that he's going to start charging people for using that platform, would you be prepared to pay for that? Short answer, no, because the, the, the value is not there. It's gone. He's destroyed the platform. One of the fundamental things that he did, you know, was he, he, he destroyed the blue tick. Now, the blue tick, the, the, these are people who've been verified, so you knew you were speaking to, um, dare I say, <laughs> Farage, Johnson, all of them. You know, they were the real well, deal. Your bestie but, mates on the on, on exactly. Twitter. So you know, but he scrapped all that, and you could buy that now. In fact, at one stage, people were buying the name Farage and Johnson and using it. So no, he destroyed the very the, the, the very heart of of of, of Twitter. Was that that's his innate integrity that you knew when you wanted to know something, some fact, you go to someone in the New York Times or the Guardian, some of these points, do you go to to to, point, to to people or points of interest or or points of knowledge that you, you respected? But now it's destroyed a lot. It's a free-for-all. It's it's, it's full of, um, well, look, look at my stream. It's full of just nonsense and adverts that are for stuff that I don't particularly want. And for the idea of paying for that service now, uh-uh, gone. Going back to the original Twitter, I would have considered it. I would have considered paying it because it's a great service. Because one of the things I love Twitter for, that's my word love, use Twitter for is for instant news. You know, if you hear if you hear that something's happened, there's been some catastrophe or some some dreadful event, 
You can go on Twitter and forget. You get, the, you get it unsullied. I was going to say unsullied. That's not the right word. You get it unmodified, uncommented, unmediated. So you get it raw. Then you can go and find people who are talking about it. And, and sometimes get, get, get become part of the dialogue. And that's what I enjoyed about Twitter. But you don't get that now. You just get, get, get people streaming nonsense. Um, and, and the idea of paying for it now. Nah. In some ways, we're paying for his his mistake. Because he's just is almost every movie he's made in Twitter has, has reduced its, its its usefulness and equally its headcount the, the people who are actually using it and this this will just be one more nail in the uh, the coffin that, that 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 that's Twitter. So we but we we can do without Twitter and we can't really do without Google, can we? No. Uh, and and, and so that that that's perhaps the fundamental difference here and which gives Google kind of an unusual amount of power because everybody is so dependent now on the service it provides. I mean, of course, there are other search engines as well. We could be using Bing or we could be using one of these other other. Well, ser- Phil, Phil, it's too much power. And that's what we need the government to step in. Look look at the, the top four com- companies in the on the planet. Mm. Number one, Apple, $2 trillion. Trillion. Then you've got Microsoft, Saudi Arabia talks in there with, with its oil world, and then Google. These big tech companies are monopolies. They're fiefdoms running, you know, Apple does a deal with Google to put its search engine on uh, on Apple Apple phones as the default search engine for Safari, you know, locking out all the other people. And this idea of choice, and the Google will defend themselves, and Apple will say, well, you can use another search engine, you can if you want. You know, can you be bothered? And I know some of my friends do make the effort. And I, I know I should make the effort, but I, I will do. But it just it just seems so convenient. And it's that convenience where I think maybe it's just too much. Maybe if we split off uh, Gmail and um, uh, the, the, the maps and search into three separate companies. You know, mm-hmm. look look at Standard Oil, how Standard Oil was, 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 was chopped up. Or equally, AT and T, the baby bells, the, the baby bells, the, the smaller companies. I think, I think baby bells are cheese, aren't they? Baby uh, bells, baby bells. No, they are. They're, they're the bell companies. The bell goes split up. And them. the bell, was, no bell business. It was right. split them to baby bells. So the, there is a precedent for this. And Meta, Meta, you know, look, look at um, 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 Zimmerman, Mark Zimmerman. He owns. Zuckerberg. Not just Zuckerberg. Zimmerman. Zuckerberg. Yeah, that's Bob Dylan. No, um, he, he, owns, he owns Facebook. He owns WhatsApp. He, and he owns Instagram. Yeah. That, that, that says, break me up. So you break me up before you go-go. No, seriously, Phil. Those are three companies or three organizations which should be split up. The idea of inter- interactivity. And the, the idea of, there's, there's a word, that, the, the word that we use on, um, uh, if you heard the word federation, uh-huh. Federation. The federation, that's a group of applications that work together, federated. You have your, like, Mastodon. Now that, that's a, a substitute for Twitter. Each has its own server, and the servers are, med- uh, are federated. They work with each other. So there's nothing wrong with being in the, each server's independent. Instagram would be an independent company. Well, what's up independent? But they, they, would, they would integrate with each other. They'd have an interface, just as banks have interfaces so they can share information. So that these companies can, it just seems wrong that these companies have such power. So you, you and you look at the, the, Twitter's not in the same league, not in the same league, but that's the same effect where you have got one man c- controlling how we communicate, and that's wrong. 
We need really options in our communications. So as far as Google is concerned, I think I just hope that the government is strong enough, the American government is strong enough to break them up. The, 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 there's one one small say, dink in the horizon. <laughs> there's something coming over the hill, and we'll talk about that later when we come to iPhone, that governments can lean on these organizations, and they can, mean it, they can make a difference. So it's a question of standing up to these trillion-dollar companies. You know, so governments have to know that they that they they're not governments, but Google and these Amazons, Meta and and Apple need to know that they're not bigger than the governments. They're not bigger than the government. We can the government can break them up and make make competition part of the market, make it more vibrant. Five in the eye for story number two this week. We're going to take a look at HS two a very, very troubled project without a shadow of a doubt. And um, what's quite interesting is that the government now can't even commit to this major infrastructure project, which was designed to link the north to the south. Part of, I suppose, you know, long-term plans, even before the Tory government to to kind of level up the country. Um, They can't even promise now that this is going to go as far as Manchester. The first stage of HS2 is to Birmingham and um, onwards there uh, further north. But now the government's being pressed on it. And then they're just not saying, Michael, whether the the train is ever going to run as far as Manchester. So we could be left with a project that is spiralling, according to the FT, maybe look at we're looking at something like ninety one billion pounds worth of expenditure, which is a major overspend on what was originally intended, and we're left with a a project that's effectively half completed. Now, the business community and politicians in the north of England are campaigning hard to save HS two. There's other people who are saying, look, we, we just seem absolutely incapable of delivering projects like this at an affordable price. It keeps on getting more and more expensive. And maybe the whole thing was a mistake in the first place. Uh, and perhaps we should cut our losses now. Where, where do you stand on this, Michael? Deep breath. I, I, I'm just saddened and embarrassed. Saddened that we didn't, we cannot do a major project for the country. Since we can get it right in, in London, Jubilee Line, Frostrail, or Elizabeth Line, we spent billions and they work. But the rest of the country, nah, it's not it happening. And what, what what's so maddening is if they put if they had put HS two in put it in, when you put high speed links into the major city. It doesn't. It doesn't improve life in the. Um, it, well, it does improve life. It, it, you get more traffic coming into the city. It, it's good for London. It increases London. You've seen it with Paris and the high speed links into Paris and the Tokyo. Same thing. For me, I think it's just sad that they reduced to talking about. You know, you can now. We've taken twenty five minutes off the link time to to, to Birmingham. Hello. Train travel now is a luxury in terms of you've got time on your own. And with the internet, those 25 minutes you can use productively. So you're saving time for what? You know, so I think that that, that time saving is irrelevant now because when we manage time, 
particularly after the pandemic, and we could do so much online and with Zoom and that kind of thing. So no, it, it's not. It's not a thing. It's no, it's no good reason. And then to add insult to injury, Phil, they're saying it's just going to go to Birmingham to London, and they won't come into central London. It'll be some outside London somewhere. It's just no, no, no. And for me, Phil, okay, I'm going to put my Liverpool hat on. You know, the Northern Powerhouse. Whatever happened to that? Do you know, a, it, it, a, a train, a high-speed link from Liverpool to Newcastle via Manchester and Leeds. Link, you know, so, so, no, that to me is something that, that, that should be visionary for the country. Yeah, it would, it, would, it would certainly on. enhance the economy of the north of England more than this link to London, in my view. Because, you know, I, I, I think that there is a danger with the whole concept of HS2 that rather than see business move away from London um, and investment move away from London to the north. It just becomes a, a quick way for people to come to London and it reinforces London's exactly, uh, exactly. London's dominance. And I, I'm not absolutely sure I'm on board with the whole concept. I've always blown hot and cold over HS2. I mean, at one level, we do need, obviously, higher speed trains like we see in continental Europe, uh, you know, things to rival the French TGVs and, and, and all the rest of it. But, um, and, and for the reason, one, one reason for that, of course, would be environmental. We, we would really ideally like people to leave cars behind because the trains were so fast and efficient that you, 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 you didn't really want to drive. The, the problem is the trains are incredibly expensive. And we can't even deliver the infrastructure, can we, to to make it possible? Um, I, I I do sort of wonder at what point, with projects like this, you 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 say right, okay, it's not working. There's a psychological tendency, isn't there, to think, well, we've invested so much money uh, so far, we've got to make it work. But an economist would say, look, that that cost is sunk. You're never going to get the money back that you've already wasted, and um, maybe we, we should just re-examine our whole priority here. Examine our whole priority to what? Then what are we about as a country? What unites us? What brings us together? Makes us Britain? You know, remember Concord, the white hot heat of technology, Tony Benn and all that. Well, that's gone. Now there was a big talk of. Um, uh, the, the 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 National Health Service um, software package, the HS, the, the HS2, the, the NHS so software never happened, failed to make a totally integrated package. And we, we've got we've got a history of failure in this. Isn't this something the government can say? Look, this is we're going to go for this. This is something we're going to do regardless, mm. and because it, it falls into this short termism. You know, this five-year election cycle, what does it mean to that? And then it kicks into the long grass. And then when you layer on fact, yes, it is complex. You've got lots of people. You've got to buy lots of land and you've got lots of compulsory purchase order. It's hard. But if, it, if it's worth doing, if it's worth doing, then it, 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 these things are going to be overcome. Well, and I agree with you. If we are going to do it, you know, it's got to come into Euston Station. Otherwise, what the hell are we playing at? It's reminding me a little bit of... The tram system in Edinburgh, which uh, was an absolute fiasco, uh, because that was designed to to take people from the city centre into the suburbs, and I think maybe out to the airport, and um, it ended up 
stopping far short of the city centre. Um, and, uh, you know, huge sums of money were spent on it. Obviously, nothing quite like HS2, but for a for a kind of uh, for a city for a city project, it was very, very expensive. Um, and it never really achieved what it was what it set out to achieve. So for God's sake, if we are going to do it, we might as well do it properly and have it come right into the heart of London. Because there's already been huge disruption at Euston in with the idea that there w- it would be coming there. Well, Phil, again, who are we? We're two people here, older than some, would someone say. And what we're saying, this should be done. We need more people to say to the government, look, for goodness sake, do something. If something visionary. Get, you know, let's get over Brexit. Let's say we're building this to make us a better country, to make it better than not not scraping along the bottom, make do. And made even worse by this, this recent announcement by Sunak now, they're going to go back on the the, 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 green, the green policies in terms of cars, in terms of uh, electric cars, in terms of gas boilers. We're just going backwards. It's only miserable Britain. It's all hard and horrible. We haven't got the money. What, 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 have, got, what have we got the money for? You know, I'll put it this way. You know, I'll go back to Mrs. Thatcher. You know, you can run your government like you run a household. Every household has something that, that it's going to look forward to. You know, it's going to cost a little bit, but we're going to do X, whatever X is. It might be a holiday. It might be a new TV. It might be something, a new car. But that's something that the family wants to feel better. And all we get from this com- this this government, it's just more bad news. We can't do it. it you know, it, it, there's no money for it, no money for it. No, no, no. You've got to get creative or get visionary. You know, you know, I've said this many times before, Phil. This this, this is an exhausted government. There's, there's nothing, you know, th- th- what they're about. What, what's their vision? Their vision is just maintaining this drift downhill, you know, to, to, to what? To what end? Yeah. How's it going to get better? In a sense, HS2 is a bit of a metaphor for this uh, this government's run out of steam, uh, has no idea where it's going to end up. Run out of steam. <laughs> I'm probably trying to use steam to be on, on, the, on the railway. No, and as I say, that, that's why I find it deeply sad because it could, you know, these things can be made to work. Look at Crossrail. You know, I, I talk about the two, the two fours. It was four years late and four billion pound over budget, but we did it. We did it. It was just it's a fantastic achievement. So why can't we do HS2 so we can go from Liverpool to Newcastle on one line, on one train? Can you imagine that, Phil? The difference that would make up north would be brilliant. Fun reason for moving back up north. Five in the eye. Third story this week is um, Apple's iPhone. Now, I love Apple. Well, I'm a, I'm a complete Apple fan, but I've got to put my cars on the table or my, uh, or my, my MacBook, my iPhone, my watch. My iPad, I've got them all on the table, totally committed. And I love the, I love the way it's greatly integrated. And Apple, they're just a supreme marketing company. Once a year, they have their upgrade of their, of their services or their products and their software. And this, this year, they've upgraded the iPhone from iPhone 14 to iPhone 15. Now, I proudly have an iPhone 14 Pro Max. And this is quite simply the best phone I've ever had. It's fast. Right, the battery laughs a uh, uh, lasts a good while, and the camera is just beautiful. The quality of the pictures are just extraordinary. So I'm I'm completely happy. So I was I was looking at the the new iPhone 15 Pro Max. That's my benchmark, the Pro, the top top of the range. And 
Well, okay, on, on the surface, it is better. You know, it's lighter. It's now made of titanium, so it feels better. There's a big discussion about the fact that what Apple have done, they've made the chassis lighter, and they've moved the mass around, so it feels lighter. Okay, that doesn't matter, but it works. It's beautiful. It's lighter. Um, it's faster, you know? It's faster, which is, again, which is good. You know, things can always be a bit more snappy. When this is, it's snappy. Um, there's a few of the little odds and I was gonna say, can I say odds and sods? Is that am I allowed to say that? Is that? Um, I think we might get away with that. Odds and sods. It's um, in the morning now. There, there was nothing there that says upgrade me. Your your iPhone 14 Pro Max is now obsolete. And I thought, no, there, there's not enough there to justify, you know, that, to justify the. Even, even put put the price up. Having said that, you know, Apple. You know, I'm a complete Apple fanboy. You know, I hold my hands in the air. I've drunk the Kool-Aid, I'm there. And I'd be looking for I'd looking for where there's a new feature, I'd be in. But it's um I'm tempted to say for maybe the running out of steam. Yeah, know, I mean I, I, I think you know, it's, it's difficult to know perhaps where the, the next big leap in functionality is gonna come. I mean, I noticed that the um there's probably more gizmos promised with the recent iOS upgrade to ios 17 than there is in the actual new phone and you know they were talking about with the with the operating system for instance um ai cloning of voices you know what could possibly go wrong with that uh but you know you could see some kind of step change step change with the tech in the in the software there but in terms of the hardware it's it, it's difficult to see i've got an iphone se uh second generation se which is perfectly good enough for me I'm due an upgrade. I, I, I haven't got round to it, to be honest, because I, I just, you know, I, 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 I'm not excited enough about the idea of having a new phone. There are people, of course, who say, well, actually, we trade in our phones way too often. And, the, you know, that's encouraged, obviously, by the companies. Uh, what about all the resources that go into them? Uh, wouldn't it be better if we all hang on to our phones and just relied on software upgrades and, and, uh, for a while? Oh, that, that's a good point, Phil. That's a good point, and, and I guess the EU sees that when it looks at the the, um, the power, the, the power supply. The Apple the US, uses the, the USB C yeah, uh, adapter is now the standard for, but you know, which which was you know, coming back to your point from our first story, Michael. This was your example, wasn't it? If the European Union putting managed to put pressure on a big tech company uh, to uh, to abandon its lightning charger and adopt the standard because the thinking from the EU is from a consumer point of view uh, why do we need all these different kinds of chargers when one will do no not exactly I mean, we've we just got our uh, we got a car about six nine months ago and that was USB USB-C already in it, in the car so this is USB-C and the car manufacturers are the slowest to adopt new technology. So Apple are just, in some ways, just catching up, or the EU is, making, is forcing them to catch up. And that, and that, that for me, that all goes good for what um, what the American government can do to Google. It can force them, because it makes, these things make sense. When, you, when, when, you, when, you, when you're reducing competition or increasing competition, it depends on where you look at it. So I think that, that, that that's a real strong point for us in... in Again, I'm using, I'm mixing my metaphor metaphors here. Us in the European community. See, that was a false. That was that was wrong. We're getting the benefits of the power of the European community here in Britain, even though we weren't involved in it. Which is uh, another reason why we should 
No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to mention Brexit. I'm not going to move on from that. No, I think Phil, it's the, the iPhone 15 Pro Max. Is it's 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 a it's a fine phone, but for me the Delta, the difference between the old phone and new phone is quite small. But having said that, I know people like Luddites like yourself may move up to the 15, and kind of almost leapfrog me for my 14. But yeah, you will have the more powerful phone. And I, 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 I spoke to my son about it. he's upgrading. Because he wants to, he, he wants the very best camera to take pictures of his kids or my grandchildren. So I, I, I approve of him for that. But in terms of me upgrading, I, I haven't got the, um, I haven't got the energy. I don't, no, no desire to do it because I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get. You were much. all, you were already, Michael, the, 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 the most uh, tech-enabled OAP uh, in in the UK with your with your iPhone 14 Pro Max. Am I right? Um, there are one or two of us. There are one or two of us, but you know, I mean, like it's the seamlessness of, of the of the of the the connectivity. That's what we're looking for, and, and that's where you get in the Apple proposition, which I, and I, which I think is is excellent. But okay, there's the Apple tax. We pay for that. There's an Apple tax, which is which you know, say you know, I, I, it's a benefit. I, I'm perhaps I'm happy to pay like that. I'm happy to pay that fifty, sixty dollars a year for Google for those services. If they're gonna, if they're if they're not gonna look inside my underpants to see what I'm doing, I don't want that. I, I don't like it, but I, you know, you 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 get, you get such good good services, and they are good services. So you 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 take it. So but coming back to Apple, though, I think a- Apple have um, it, it, you know they've got it right, and I'm I'm you know I'm happy to pay that tax because the the their products are so so seamless. But there comes a time, you know, you you, you you don't just upgrade by default. You know, there was a time back where in, in, back in the uh, the 80s, we, every time I, IBM brought out a new PC, we'd get a new laptop, a new, a new laptop. We'd all get new ones. They would buy automatically because it was the quantum leap of, you know, of Intel and the things surrounding the, the Intel chip the processor was much, much better. People moved to New York, it was much better. But that difference now is... Um, is marginal, so I think speed and performance, you know, it's 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 good enough. It's good enough. Five in the eye. Story number four this week is about a Danish artist called Jens Harnik. Now he's a conceptual artist. His work in the past has been on themes like power and inequality. Uh, he was famous for a work in 2007 called An Average Danish Annual Income, which uh, which was basically Kroner notes fixed to, to canvas in a frame. And he, he created another work in, in 2011 about Austrian income, so using euros. Uh, so that's the background to this rather strange story where a museum in northern Denmark called the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art gave him 500,000 krona, or ju- just over 60 grand from its reserves to create new art- artworks. And they also topped it up with a fee of another 40,000 krona as a, as, a, as, a, as a kind of thank you for doing, doing the work. Then he comes along with his works of art and he has called them, Michael, take the money and run because they found when they opened them up just two empty frames he had um taken them for a ride and unsurprisingly the museum is now looking for its money back no 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 he didn't take them for a ride they exhibited the work 
they exhibited with, with, with that title. So no, Phil, they didn't take him for a ride. In fact, they, they, in fact, they understood what it was about. And listen, listen. I'm going to quote you what the what the um, the museum said. Here we go. Even the lack of money in the work has a monetary value, which is de- designated as art, and thus shows how the value of money is an abstract quantity. The value of money is an abstract quantity. They're hoisted on their own petard there. They exhibited it because they understood. You know, the clues are there. You can remind me the title again. Take the money and run. But I, I hold mm. hold on a second, Michael. There's you, you, you're painting a rather glossy picture of this because um, last week a court in Copenhagen ordered the artist to repay the money that had been that had been loaned to him. They, they, and the director of the Kunsten Museum. Um, was quoted in the Guardian as saying, "We're not a wealthy museum. We have to think carefully about how we spend our funds, and we don't spend oh. more than we, think we can afford." Uh, no, hang on a sec. No, sorry, Phil. Is- Why they exhibited them? Why did they accept the work? Well, I mean, you know, whilst whilst they accepted it, there was also a court case going on, and and they they, they were saying no, no. the agreement is that they can keep the fee of the the the, the forty thousand kroner. But not the half a million kroner that they gave him to, uh, that, that they gave him. No, no, no Phil, the, 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 this goes to the heart of what art is. Art, as its fundament, is an idea in someone's head, which is once again to your head. Now, the, the, this uh, this Kunst Museum, Kunst Museum, I'm sorry, they're wrong. You should know if you if you didn't think if you didn't value the work, you shouldn't have exhibited it. You shouldn't discuss it on your time. Museum tours around it to discuss it. In fact. This discussion now is part of the work, you know. And I would argue he's the artist. Yeah, creating art. I'm creating art here with you. Yeah, because you're discussing something that is as ephemeral as a blank canvas. Mm. You know, and 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 the fact, the value of it. You were saying it has no value, but hang on a sec. Someone's just paid forty thousand pounds or controller dollars, forgotten dollars for it. So come on, you know, if art is as its fundament is is ideas and concepts in people's heads, you know, and and to me he made it the fact that they took it and exhibit put it on the wall and put it on the wall they created the work. So move on. Yeah, I, think, no, no. I think I think I think the judge is totally out of order. Totally out of order. Michael, we're in the territory of emperor's new clothes here, aren't we? I mean, they, these these um, canvases arrive with nothing on them, and people are looking at them and thinking. Oh, well, they need to go on display. No, no I'm going to say, no, no, I'm going to quote Picasso now. Art is a lie that helps you understand the truth. Art fundamentally is a lie. That canvas is not a, a picture of, of a valley scene. It's not a valley. There's no valley there. It's an impression. Of, it's an idea of a valley or whatever. Or it's, it's, a, it's a concept. Those pictures are concepts, ideas. If there's nothing there, there's nothing there. You know, it's called, you know, um, <laughs> Take the money and run. So well, no, ju- ju- just as well the classical artists that you give tours about, Michael, didn't take the same strategy with their paintings. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a lot to. You wouldn't have a no, lot no, to discuss. No, 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 I, 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 I don't accept that. They, they, they were communicating in their terms to get across the point. This artist is, do, is doing exactly the same today. He's using terms that we understand. With bit, maybe with a bit of a wink. I don't know. A bit of a nod. I don't know. But the museum. If they exhibited it, they accepted it. Move well, on. Let, let, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say. Let us know to our listeners. Let us know what you think about this extraordinary case in Denmark. Do you think that the artist was right 
to take the money and run, as he described his his, his work, or do you think he should be repaying it? Uh, let us know on let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Live in the eye. You know when you proposed this last story, Phil, story number five. I thought you were having a giraffe. <laughs> but it seems and it's, it's, it's on the one hand, it's a brilliant idea. On the other hand, hmm. I something smelly about it. What, what are we talking about? Well, in in uh, in in Spain, in in, in a Spanish seaside town, there's um uh, a piece of the pavement that has been marked out with squares with numbers on them, with numbers, and those those numbers represent money. And a donkey is allowed to walk around this <laughs> this area with these squares on. And you can put money on those squares. You can bet on where the donkey is going to have a number two. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Phil. You know, a thousand, euro, filthy, a thousand euros is up for grabs here, Michael. This is filthy money. This is filthy money. There's, there's, it's not, it's not right. You know, it's got to be fixed in some way. You know, I'm sure the, the, the donkey knows its owner. And it, you know, and the, 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 the owner knows it's donkey. So when it's about to do something, I'm sure you just you just moves onto a square with no money on it, or moves it on the pulley. The principle of this is a bit like roulette, except this is kind of poulette, isn't no. it? Like, I, I, no, you be you be practicing having your poulette. No, 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 come on, Phil. This is I, you know, I, is this is this regulated? <laughs> you know, the office of fair trading. You know, are they, are they you, certainly, you certainly wouldn't want a loose bow donkey on the loose, would you? <laughs> because, because well, having said he... that, there's probably rules if it goes across two squares, you know, half the odds or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's so probably no, end up for... with 500 euros rather than a thousand. And euros. before you ask, no, I'm not going to put any money down on this. Yes, I will wash my hands after I've done it. No, it's not for me. Five in the eye. Well, that's it for episode 0429. We hope our number five story about number twos didn't put you off your late breakfast. So do join us again next week for episode 0430. And if you have something to say in the meantime, why not contact us via our Facebook page? For now, this is me, Michael Ohujuro, saying, look after yourself, and if you can, somebody else. And this is Phil Woodford reminding you to keep an eye on the news as you never know what we'll be discussing on next week's Five in the Eye. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?